And thank you, worship team. By the way, I'm glad you guys played that amazing grace at the end because I was a little out of breath after the Praise the King song. I thought I'm going to get up here and be panting and sweating up here. (laughs) I got a little too excited. So, uh, well, hey, good morning, everybody. Um, If you don't know me, my name is Nick Schatz. I'm one of the pastors here. If you're watching online, uh, welcome. Thank you for being here. We've been in a series on uh, salvation, the doctrine of salvation, hitting different aspects of that. Thanks, man. Uh, and so this, this is the last sermon or message in this series. We're going to uh, finish that up today. If you have a Bible, uh, turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1 is near the end of, of the, the Bible. Uh, if you're watching online, don't have a Bible, that's fine. We'll put it all up on the screen. Uh, we only have time for like three verses today, but that's what we're going to cover today. While you're turning there, as we get started, I just want to point out um, a, one of my favorite book series. I know last week I talked about one of my, I have a lot of favorite book series. Uh, from childhood. Uh, this, this is one of them. This is Little Critter. Any of you grow up reading Little Critter? Okay, there's several of you, several of you. Or maybe you read it to your kids. Maybe you're reading it to your grandkids right now. Uh, great, great book series. Uh, when I was younger, my dad bought a bunch of these like these and, and read these to me. And then when I had kids, my, this is from my dad. My dad gifted me, you know, he's not reading them anymore. <laughs> so he, he gifted me all of the Little Critter books. And I think he bought almost all of them. He was kind of an all or nothing guy. So there were like 75 or 80 of these booklets and some of the bigger ones that have five or six stories in them. So I have a ton of Little Critter books. Uh, this, this one's really cute. It's entitled, I think I have a picture up here. I was so mad. I was so mad. I don't know how old Little Critter is in the story. Maybe he's six or something like that. Uh, but, but in the story, there, there's several things that happen. You know, he starts off by, he gets a bunch of frogs and he puts them in the bathtub. He thinks he's going to have like a frog farm or something. You know, that makes sense. And so his mom comes in and says, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. It's like, oh. So then he goes and he bugs his sister. He actually crawls inside of her uh, little dollhouse. And he's, of course, he's too big for a dollhouse. So he starts to break it. Stuff is uh, getting disheveled inside of this big dollhouse. So his dad says, you can't do that. You can't do that. Then he goes out in the garden and he wants to water the, the, the garden. So he gets a water hose and, you know, he full, full blast. The tomatoes are going everywhere. The stalks are falling down. You know, so grandpa comes out, you can't do that. And so he just gets, he gets so mad. And so here's, here's a, I got it in here. Well, I won't find the page because it's right up here. But eventually he just says, you won't let me do anything I want to do. I guess I'll run away. And I love how mom's just like waving. <laughs> So, I don't know, did any of you like try to run away when you were a kid? You tried to run away from home? Nola, did you try to run away from home? I don't know. Uh, I've, I've heard of some people, they tried to run away, and that's the typical response from mom. All right, <laughs> we'll see how long this lasts, right? So he tries to run away. Uh, I don't have a picture of it, but in here, he ends up um, getting his, his wagon. And if you can see it, he gets one of his wagon, and he puts his favorite toys in there, his toy helicopter, his toy trucks. His, he goes in the kitchen, and he, and he I'm going to probably get hungry, so he dumps a whole box of cookies into his wagon. You know, he's, he's ready. He's ready. He's ready to walk away. And so he, he walks uh, to leave out of the house, and mom's just, here's a picture of it. Mom's just wa- watching and smiling from the window. Here's, here's kind of the moral of the story that, that I picked up. Little critter... As, as smart as he thinks he is, little critter, he couldn't run away from home even if he wanted to. Because mom, mom is watching from the window. He's not going to get too far, right? If he does begin to get too far, go over the hill where she can't see him or, a, I don't know, a stranger in a white van pulls up. Like, mama, mama's going to come, right? So mama's watching from the window. He's, he's not going to actually get away. And then furthermore, all of us reading the story, all of you that are parents who have had kids that pack their own wagons, right? You know that 
when you get out in the real world, it's not as fun as, as you thought it would be. He's going to get hungry for more than just cookies. He's going to get bored. He's going to come back home. So the moral of the story is Little Critter, he couldn't run away even if, even if he really wanted to. Today, in today's lesson, we're going to talk about the doctrine of eternal security. Eternal security means this, that once someone becomes a believer, they remain a believer. They are saved from their sin, and they can do nothing to lose that salvation. If you are a Christian, if you have believed in Jesus, if Jesus has forgiven you of your sin, you had nothing to do with having your sins forgiven. The only thing that you contributed to your salvation is the sin that made it necessary, okay? So you can't, you didn't earn it, so you cannot lose it. That's the doctrine of eternal security. And it's, eternal security is kind of like two coins, or one coin, sorry, with two different sides. On the one side, we have preservation. This is the idea that God will preserve your salvation. He's the one that granted your salvation. He's the one that atoned for your sin, and you cannot dismantle that. You can't sin bad enough. You can't run far away. You, can't, you cannot lose your salvation afterwards because God is the one preserving you. He's watching from the window. He's watching from the window. The other side of the coin is a doctrine, uh, these are two doctrines related to eternal security, is the doctrine of perseverance. That if you are a genuine believer, that you will remain faithful. You will persevere in your faith. You may veer away from a season. You, you may uh, fall into sin for a season. You may walk away from the church for a season. But if you are a genuine believer, eventually you're going to drop the handle to your wagon and you're going to run back home. This is the doctrine of eternal security. You have preservation on one side and perseverance on the other. In short, you couldn't run away from God if you're a genuine believer even if you really wanted to. So we're going to look at this text today, 1 Peter 1. We're just going to look at verses 3 through 5. And uh, what I'm going to do is I'm just, going to pull, I'm just going to pull out four words or phrases from this text, and we're going to focus on it. So follow along with me as we read 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 5. And here are highlighted the four words or phrases that we are going to look at today. 1 Peter 1. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, boy, that is a mouthful for a fisherman, okay? This was written by uh, the Apostle Peter. When he first began following Jesus, he was just a fisherman. He was uneducated, many believe. Uh, so, but he did not shy away from thinking about deep theology and doctrine. And so we're going to walk through this text slowly. Again, there's a lot of things we could highlight. I'm going to highlight these four words or phrases. First, we'll look at living hope. This passage is seeped in hope. When you think about eternal security and not losing your salvation, I hope you don't hear this as a guilt trip. You're like, you better be good. You better get back in church. That's, this is seeped in hope. This is not a guilt trip when you think about eternal security. Secondly, we'll look at the word shielded. What does Peter mean when he says that we are shielded? This is when we'll really unpack what it means to be eternally secure. We are secure in our faith. Number three, we'll look at those words, God's power. This is a statement about preservation. God is the one who preserves you, who shields your faith. And then lastly, we'll look at those words, through faith. This is the other side of the coin. This is perseverance. It's a close look at this phrase that reminds us we do have a responsibility to stay faithful to the Lord once we follow him. It's not like, oh, I became a believer, now I can do whatever I want. No, 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 that's, that's, that's not what a genuine believer would do. You would persevere in your faith, okay? In short, this is eternal security. If you're a believer... You couldn't run away from God 
even if you wanted to, maybe temporarily. So we'll get to that in a minute. So first, let's look at those words, living hope. He says that he has given us a new birth into a living hope. This is seeped in hope. Everything from this whole, if you read the whole chapter of 1 Peter 1, it is, it is all founded and, and seeped in, in hope. Eternal security is hope for the believer. You don't have to worry if you're going to be good enough to stay a Christian. Because you're not. <laughs> you're not going to have to worry if you're good enough to make it into heaven. The Bible's clear. You're not. Jesus was punished on your behalf to make atonement for your sin. Your sins are forgiven, the past, the present, and your future sins. Your salvation is secure. This, this is hope for a believer. You cannot far too follow far away from grace. Secondly, eternal security is hope for doubters. Okay? You may be a believer and you may waver every now and then on your faith. As a good Brit may say, you may grow a wee bit wobbly in your faith. However, God is not... God doesn't have some kind of contract with you and a team of lawyers. Oh, he broke one of the clauses. He broke one of the Ten Commandments. Can we get out of this one? That's not how this works. You are secure in your faith. And God knew you were going to do all kinds of stuff, right? He, he knew you were going to mess up. So you, you, uh, you were secure in your doubts. Eternal security is hope for those who have taken a break from church. Maybe you're watching, maybe this is the first time you've watched a church service or been in church for a long time. You've been hurt by church, you've been uh, messed up by religion, you're just kind of deconstructing some things, exploring some things, you're just, you're just kind of taking a break, a step back from it all. Eternal security means that if you were a genuine believer, you are still secure in your faith. And, and God welcomes you home. He welcomes you back. You don't have to hang your head and, oh, I don't know if I can get back. And yes, he welcomes you back. This is hope for you. Eternal security, lastly, is hope for parents. Some of you, many of you have told me that you have grown kids. They were raised in the church. They made some kind of profession of faith. You watched them get baptized. You have a Bible with their signature. And I mean, you, you remember them becoming Christians and they have walked away. You feel like they have fallen away. They don't, they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to come to church with you. They've, they've fallen away. And, and this, deeply, this deeply concerns you. This deeply concerns you. Eternal security means that if they really meant it when they first believed, then God really meant it when he said their sins are forgiven. And separated as far as the east is from the west. God really meant that if they really meant it when they believed. We'll come back to that. But if you look at this text under a magnifying glass, you're going to see the word HOPE in all caps. And in general, you couldn't run away from God even if you wanted to. Let's look at the next word that we're going to focus on. That word SHIELDED. Go back to 1 Peter 1 with me again. Uh, Towards the end there. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power. When someone becomes a Christian, God shields them. He guards them. Maybe you have a translation that says that he guards them. This does not mean that God will keep bad things from happening to a believer. This does not mean that God will keep blessing you with success and money. Man, I'm a believer now. All my dreams come true. That doesn't necessarily, I hope hope that's true of you. But that is not necessarily what this means when he says he will shield you. This does not mean that God will necessarily keep you healthy and happy all the time as a believer. What it does mean is that he shields you from losing your salvation. He shields your eternal salvation. Here's several verses that unpacks that. Romans 8.1. So now there's no condemnation to those who belong to Christ Jesus. If your sins were forgiven, then you're forgiven. And it's as simple as that. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, and whosoever believes in him shall not perish. If you believed in him, you will not perish. But you have not temporary, not contingent, not, well, if you break one of these, it's not true. No, you have eternal life. 
Whoever believes in him is not condemned. You were condemned. You believed in Jesus. He paid for your sin. You are no longer condemned. John 10, 27 to 28. Uh, and in fact, it keeps going. We just don't have time to read and unpack it all. This is one of the clearest passages, one of the most powerful passages in our New Testament about eternal security. This is what it reads. My sheep, this is Jesus speaking. Uh, and, and when he says sheep, he's, well, he's talking about you, talking about me. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them, here it is again, eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. In this passage and in many other passages, believers are called sheep. Now, there's a lot of reasons why we're called sheep. One of the main reasons are sheep just don't do well by themselves. <laughs> okay. Sheep tend to wander away from the herd and, you know, we tend to wander away from our community of faith. Sheep tend to eat things that are harmful, that make them sick, that sheep tend to be completely oblivious to like wolves and lions and tigers and bears. You know, sheep are just oblivious to these things. And, and, and here's the main thing. Sheep have no defense mechanism, okay? Sheep cannot run or hide or fight. If you're going to defend yourself, you should know how to run or hide or fight or some combination of those two. Sheep can't do any of those things. The only defense mechanism a sheep has is, number one, staying near the shepherd because the shepherd has a rod or a gun or something, right, to fight off the sheep and to bring him, in the, and to bring him back. The second defense mechanism that a sheep has is just staying with the herd, because there's, there's, there's a defense in numbers. And, and by the way, this is one of my beefs with a Christian who would say, well, I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm not in church right now. I am a believer. I'm following. I have, I have a good relationship with the Lord. But I'm just, I'm just, I don't want to be a part of a church right now. It's, it's just arrogant and naive. Sheep do not do well by themselves. That's why God created the church. We, we are better in numbers with a fold. Sheep can't run, hide, or fight. Okay? And in here we see both sides of the coin of eternal security. Jesus says, my sheep listen to me. I know them and they follow me. This is perseverance. They will will hear my voice. They will follow me. But then he also goes on and says, hey, they're not going to perish. I've given them eternal life. They're in my hand. No one can snatch them out of my hand. Try taking something from Jesus' hand. I dare you, right? You couldn't run away from God, even if you wanted to. That is the doctrine of eternal security. Now, I do have a disclaimer. I want to be humble. I want to be honest. There are some believers, there are some teachers who disagree with what I'm teaching you about eternal security. And so I just want to be upfront. I'm going to walk through this. If you Google it, you know, you'll find all this stuff too. Uh, There are some texts that if I flash on the screen, I'm going to read a few. uh, You would think, oh, I better be, I better be good. (laughs) If I'm not good enough, I might lose my salvation. Uh, Again, I'll unpack why I don't agree with that. But let me just read some of these texts. Hebrews 3.12 reads this way. Take care lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Later in Hebrews 6, the writer says that there could be, and this is, this is a subjective statement, this, there could be some who have been enlightened, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God, and then have fallen away. There's that fallen away language. James 5.19 is a warning for anyone among you who wanders from the truth. Galatians 5.4 warns that you have severed from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. Furthermore, there's various people, uh, believe, uh, supposed believers in the New Testament who appear to have apostatized or abandoned their faith. People like Judas. He's the big one, right? Demas, Hymenius, Alexander, Philetus, Ananias, and Sapphira. Furthermore, there are good churches, good preachers, good denominations 
that teach that you might be able to lose your salvation. Most Eastern Orthodox Christians, Arminians, Wesleyans, Pentecostals, there are some Lutherans and Anglicans that believe you can lose your salvation. So I just want to be humble and admit that we could have gotten this wrong, but the standard evangelical teaching is that once you are saved, you are always saved. You cannot lose your salvation. Some of you may not have known that we are evangelical. It's actually our first name. (laughs) We are the Evangelical Free Church of Hershey. We belong to the Evangelical Free Church of America. Wait, we're evangelical? Yes. Yes, we are. So, so, So what do we do with this? What do we do with those passages that seem to say that a believer can lose their salvation? What do we do with these texts? Don't read those, right? <laughs> no, no, we don't do that. Here, here, here's, what, uh, here's what evangelicals teach. There are some who claim to be Christians who really aren't. Okay, Judas is the prime, the prime example. If, if, you really read, if you really read the gospel story of Jesus interacting with Judas, it's pretty clear. He's, he's, he's superficial. He's, he's going along with it, but he's obviously not a genuine believer. In fact, you can place Judas by Peter. Both of them deny Jesus. Uh, One of them turns back. One of them obviously has the wrong kind of guilt and sorrow and shame for what he did. So it's it's obvious that he was not a genuine believer. Here's a key text, 1 John 2.19. John is writing about those who have walked away. And he says, they did not really belong to us. If they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belongs to us. There are some who grow up in the church, especially in America. There are some who grow up in the church uh, and, you know, they make a profession of faith. They get baptized. They go to camp. They say the things. They do the things. Like, this is just what you do. This is cultural Christianity. And when they grow up, they decide to follow their own path. They were not genuine believers, perhaps. Others have joined churches and they appear to have turned their lives around. They involved in missions, so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, it was superficial. It was going along with the crowd. It was working on their moral behavior, but not the actual condition of their heart and having their sins forgiven and atoned for. So there are some who claim to be Christians who are not really believers. Secondly, there are some who are genuine believers, but they walk away temporarily, okay? Many have left the church for a season. They've walked away from the Lord for a season. But if you were a genuine believer, the doctrine of perseverance says that you will temporarily walk away and you will come back and persevere in your faith. Because if you're a genuine believer, you couldn't run away from God even if you wanted to. God's smiling, watching from the window. You couldn't run away even if you wanted to. So we are shielded. We are shielded. And how, how are we secure? How are we shielded? Look at those next words. We are shielded by God's power. Back to First Peter. Your inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation. And it is ready. It will be revealed in the last time. Let's talk about preservation. This is the teaching that God will preserve your faith. He will preserve uh, your salvation for you. 1 Corinthians 1.8, he, God, will keep you strong until the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. This is the God side of the coin. God will preserve you. Jude 24, now all glory to God who is able to keep you from falling away. God is the one who keeps you from permanently falling away. And he will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. Not because you're great, but because Jesus has died and paid the penalty for your sin, taken away your fault. Philippians 1.6, I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. God's the one who saved you. God's the one who called you. 
And God is the one who is going to keep you as well. Ultimately, it comes down for this. If you earned your own salvation by doing good and whatever, if you earned your own salvation, then you, you better be really good. You better keep it, right? But if you had very little, to, nothing to do with that, if God is the one who called you, who opened your eyes to your sin, who forgave your sin, who uh, in, uh, indwelt you with the Holy Spirit, if God is the one who did this, then he's the one that's going to keep you. If you're the one that earned it, then you better, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. And I'm telling you why. You're going to lose it. But if God's the one who forgave you, he forgave you. It's as simple as that. He did everything. This is what makes Christianity unique from pretty much every other religion. It's, just, it's, all, it's all grace. It doesn't make sense. It's, it's all grace. Here's how, here's how one theologian put it. The question is not whether believers on their own can maintain or lose their faith. The question is whether God upholds, continues, and completes the work of grace that he began. Did God lie or not? Did he forgive you or not? All the other doctrines of salvation really hinge on this. If you can lose your salvation, did you really have it in the first place? Did God really justify you? I mean, all of it hinges on this, if you, if, but we are eternally secure. We could not run away from God, even if we wanted to, just for a season, and we'll come back. We'll get to that here in just a second. So, so far, we have learned that eternal security is seeped in hope. We are shielded. Secondly, we learned about the hope of preservation, the doctrine of preservation, that God will keep us from falling away. How are we shielded? By God's power, not by our own, our own anything, our own merit, our own faith, whatever. Next, we're going to look at perseverance. Genuine believers are shielded through faith. Our eternal security is based on God's power, by God's power, and through faith. Look at this text again. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power. That phrase, through faith, that literally means continuing in trust or continuing in faithfulness. Believers will stay faithful to God. They will persevere in their faith. Now, perseverance does not mean that believers will never sin or mess up. On the contrary, they will, and they do, and I will, and I do, right? But believers will not persist in sin without feeling immense guilt for their sin and eventually repenting. 1 John 3, 9, no one who is born of God will continue, just persist in their sin. They, can't, they cannot do it. They cannot go on sinning without feeling immense guilt for their sin and repenting. Perseverance does not mean that God expects you to be a perfect angel all the time. What it does mean is that he expects you to persevere in your faith. Hebrews ten thirty six. you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Furthermore, perseverance does not mean that God is a bystander, that he's not going to intervene, that he's just going to stand by the window and tap his foot and bite his fingernails and, oh, I hope they come back. Well, whenever they're ready, whenever they're... No, 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 God is not an innocent bystander because of the doctrine of perseverance. On the contrary, God will do whatever it takes to bring you back. You ever met a dad or a mom, their kid runs away and they're like, meh, <laughs> no. They will spend every last dime. They will hire every private investigator. They will beg, borrow, and steal from everybody they know and strangers they don't know to find their kid. God will stop at nothing to bring you back. And he'll go to great lengths to do so. Some of those miserable people I've ever met have been people who were believers that were wandering from God. And they were absolutely miserable. There's this one parable that Jesus tells in fact, we have a guest speaker next week who's going to teach on this passage, but it's the story of the prodigal son. There's the son who he kind of takes his inheritance away before his dad dies. He takes his inheritance. He runs away. He lives, it, he, he lives on the money. 
uh, when, when the money runs out, he becomes absolutely miserable. And he hangs his head in shame. He goes crawling back home. But just like little critter's mom, God is watching from the window. When he sees him coming up the road, man, God just, the father just makes a beeline, just grabs the boy. He's trying to mutter out this apology. I'm so sorry. Hey, stop it, son. Get the fatted calf. We're having steak tonight. God will make you absolutely miserable if you're a genuine believer. And when you come home, he's open arms, man. (laughs) Welcome back. Let's have steak. Eventually, you will drop your little wagon of toys and cookies, and you'll come home. He might make you miserable. He might send an army of believers to bring you back, all right? I've heard of people that it's like, man, I tried to walk away from church. It's like everybody I meet that I try to befriend, they're a Christian. They try to invite me to church. Just stop it. (laughs) James 5.19. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, someone should bring that person back. There's an army of Christians out there, and you're going to bump into them and meet them. There are, there's, every time I meet somebody who says they grow up in church, they walked away, I whisper a prayer for them because I know there's a mama somewhere just praying her knees off. You better watch out. God has a soft spot for mamas, <laughs> all right? There's a mama somewhere praying for all these people that have walked away from church. God will inundate you with signs and with convictions and my Facebook feed. What is going on here? I mean, why is everybody inviting me to church? Listen, I don't want church anymore. I don't want anything to do with God. I don't want religion anymore. Leave me alone. God can't leave his kids alone. He can't do that. What What kind of parent would leave his kids alone? He won't. He might make you miserable. He might send an army of believers to just nag you back into the fold. Or he might allow, if it gets serious, a disruption in your life to grab your attention. In one text, we read of people that are getting sick, physically sick and ill because of the way they were living in sin, 1 Corinthians 11.30. There are two different passages that I've thought about over the years that mention someone being handed over to Satan for a season, 1 Timothy 1.20 and 1 Corinthians 5.5. It's this idea that God will lift will lift some of his protection off of you and allow, allow you and your wagon to be discomforted by this world for a season to bring you back. I've heard of believers who get into car accidents, who lose their job. I've heard of people who, they literally, their apartment burned down. They've had a series of unexplainable trials, one after another hit, and the only explanation they can get is, I think God's trying to get my attention. God may allow disruption in your life to get your attention. I'm not saying that God is vindictive, that he stands up in heaven with lightning bolts, you know, Zeus style, throwing lightning bolts. But what I am saying is that God loves you so much that he will stop at nothing to get his lost children back. Liam Nelson has nothing on Jesus and lost children. Some of you have never seen that movie. So anyway, I'll just move on. The point is, You couldn't run away from God, even if you wanted to. So here's what we've learned today. The doctrine of eternal security, it's kind of like a coin with two sides. On the one side, we have preservation, the doctrine of preservation. Once saved, always saved. God will preserve your salvation. You didn't earn it, and you're not going to be able to keep it. God keeps it for you. You couldn't run away from God, even if you wanted to. On the other side of the coin, we have perseverance. If a, A genuine believer will stay faithful. A genuine believer may fall away for a season, but he or she will repent and come back to their faith and follow Jesus. And God will go to great lengths to bring his children back. He wants you back so bad. And he will welcome you back when you do return. You couldn't run away from God even if you wanted to.
Let me close by telling you a picture, or by showing you a picture. Sometimes a picture is worth a thousand words. And all God's people said, amen, right? Just show me a picture. Why, why, why are we up here doing this? So this is a picture. Uh, who, who, I'm going to give credit to him. This is by Wayne Fort. It's entitled, you can see at the bottom in cursive there, And Peter Wept. Uh, he drew this based on Matthew 26. This is the story where uh, Peter, the apostle Peter, the one who wrote this, he was a devoted follower of Jesus, one of the original disciples, eventually became an apostle. He was following Jesus. Uh, he said, I, I will never abandon you. I'm never going to fall away. I'm never going to waver. I am dedicated. I'll do anything. And Jesus tells him, no, Peter, I, you don't understand. You're going to deny me three. In the next 24 hours, you're going to deny me three times. No, I, I'll never deny you. As the story goes on, Jesus is arrested. He goes through the hardest trial of his earthly life. And Peter does deny him three different times in three different places with three different people. And for, in fact, in the last time, he's in a crowd of witnesses and he, he raises his voice. He curses and says, I don't even know the guy. And he walks out and he hears a rooster crow. And he remembers that Jesus said, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times. He goes out and just weeps like a baby, cries like a baby. A few years later, he's back. And he's writing letters that we have in our Bibles. And one of which is this passage that we have read. I think that Peter may have looked back on this moment in his life as he's writing this text. That you are shielded by God's faith. You are shielded. You're eternally secure through faith by God's power. I think he's thinking of this moment here as he writes this to the rest of us. So, if you are a believer, live in hope. You are eternally secure. You couldn't run away from God if you wanted to. Your salvation is secure. Oh, did I? Oh, man, I messed up again. Did I? You're secure in your salvation. If you are convinced that you're a Christian, but right now you're kind of like a sheep without a herd. You've kind of wandered from the path. You're not a part of a church anymore. You're just kind of, you're just kind of out there. If you, if, you, if you believe you are a genuine believer, but you're like a sheep without a herd. You're just roaming the forest, bleeding out every now and then. I challenge you to come home. I challenge you first off to repent of your sin, giving God anything less than your total allegiance and turning back to your church. You need to repent. Secondly, I challenge you to rededicate your life to the Lord. God's not angry, I don't believe, but he is concerned. Sheep don't do very well (laughs) in the forest. They do not do well. None of us have seen a wild sheep. They don't exist. Because they're eaten. God is very concerned. If you've walked away from the faith, you're watching this, somebody, why, why did you send me this video? Whatever, I, I don't know. Somebody sent you this video, this podcast, you're here with a friend or whatever, it's a vacation holiday. If you've walked away from church, repent of your sin and rededicate your life to the Lord. You need to do that. Furthermore, if you are a friend or maybe a parent of someone who has walked away, they are de-churched, deconstructing, derailing their faith, detached from the way they were raised, deflecting spiritual conversations, defensive when you bring up religion, just de-Jesus, right? If, 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 you, if you have a grown child or a friend or an old college buddy and has walked away, here's, here's my encouragement to you. I encourage you, first off, I would encourage you not to berate them. There are phrases that can, can actually do more harm than good, even though they come from a good place. You know, why are you living this way? Or, I didn't raise you this way. You need to get back into church. These, these kinds of terms can actually hurt more than they help sometimes. Instead, I would encourage you to treat this person that you know that's walked away as you would any other unbeliever. 
Initiate spiritual conversations with them. Guard your words. Guard your, your character when you're around them. Invite them to church when they're in town. Just, just, just invite them. Do it in a nonchalant way. Talk openly about your faith when it's appropriate. Here's the deal. If they are genuine believers, if you just stay close to them, keep that relationship, keep that door open, keep that conversation open. If they're genuine believers, they will come back. The doctrine of perseverance tells us this. And if they are not genuine believers, then they do not need to get back into church. They need Jesus. They need to be saved. And then they'll get back into church. Okay? So that would be my encouragement uh, to you. And my prayers are with you. I know I've spoken to many of you who care about your, your children and your friends. With that said, thank you so much for your kind attention. Let me pray for you, and then we'll close out the service today. Father, thank you for the assurance that you've given us. You could have left all these verses out, but thank you for putting these in here in, the, in your word so that we know our salvation is eternally secure in you. Father, I want to pray for the believers that are here with me, that are watching online, that are listening. I pray that you would just give them confidence in their salvation, that they're saved, and that, that will never go away. Father, I want to pray for the Christians who may be listening, who have, have wandered from their faith. They're not a part of a church right now. They've kind of fallen away and abandoned their faith for a season. Father, I pray that you would convict them and that you would draw them back. I pray that they would feel the grief that you feel because of their absence and give them a longing to come back. They may feel shame, they may feel embarrassed, but I pray that they would just come back to faith because, as we've learned, you, you're going to be there with open arms and you've, you've welcomed many wandering Christians back to the fold. Father, I pray for uh, parents out there of grown children who have walked away. I pray, Father, that you would comfort them. May you redirect their grief into prayer and into just the confidence to have simple spiritual conversations uh, with them and to trust that. If they're genuine believers, they'll come and to trust you that you're going to convict uh, their children to become Christians and believers if they are not already. We pray this to you, Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, thank you all for your kind attention. If you'd like to pray with somebody, we're going to have a couple members of our prayer team off on the side over here. If you're on the member, the, the, the prayer team, you can go ahead and stand up and come over here so uh, people can identify you. They have lanyards on as well. Uh, as we say many Sundays, you are not being dismissed, but you are being sent. Hershey Free, you are being sent to live in hope. Once you're saved, you are always saved. You are being sent to pursue and pray for believers who have wandered from the church and from their faith for a season. If you're ready to come back to faith, you're not sent or dismissed, but you're invited. (laughs) Come talk to me. Come talk to one of these folks. You're invited to come back today. God will be here with open arms. Thank you for your kind attention. You are sent.